Hello and welcome to Conversations with Q. I'm Lucia, Q's Community Marketing Manager, and in this podcast, I chat to our favourite marketers and entrepreneurs to learn about them and from them. Today's guest is the lovely Gabriella Cardoza, who I got to know through our Twitter chat, which she regularly joins and regularly kills it with her unique style and super actionable answers. Gabriella is a Boston-based consultant who is always a delight to talk to and someone I consider to be the go-to person on all things branding. Through her branding and marketing consultancy, Gabriella helps businesses create tribes and positive vibes. So in this episode, we dive into exactly what that means and how you can achieve it. A word of caution, by the end of it, you'll most definitely want to be mates with her. Hi Gabriella, it's great to have you here. Thank you, it's great to be here. (laughs) So just so our listeners can get a better picture of who you are, where are you based and what's your favourite thing about where you live? So I am a brand consultant and I'm based out of Boston, but my clients are all over the world. Um, I absolutely adore Boston. Um, I was born in Venezuela, but I was raised here in the States in Boston. So it's very near and dear to me. (laughs) Boston is absolutely beautiful when you get nice weather. Um, It played a huge role in the American history. So a lot of history buffs Mm -hmm. like to come here. And it's also really nice because it's it's got a kind of a European feel, the architecture and the terraces. It's kind of like that halfway hybrid between Europe and the US. I was having a look at your website and I noticed that you started your first business at the age of 19, which is really young. That's very impressive. Um, what was it and Thank how did you get to where you are today? Well, that's a really good question. So I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur, if you will. <laughs> My first business was at 19 and it was actually a social network believe it or not (laughs) um yeah it was created I was um at the time I think I was a junior in college I believe and the platform was essentially trying to bridge the gap between the community surrounding the university where the university was located and the students within it so that they could find kind of common ground and conversation Mm. um and that was at 19 and so In terms of how I got to where I am, my undergraduate is in communications, um, and I specialized in political communication, specifically in campaign design, actually. Okay. Um, Yeah, so it's actually more along the lines of diplomacy and and political communication at that point. And um, I started off as an intern to the communication advisor for the Spanish president at the time. Oh, wow. Um, And... I was, I believe, a senior in college, so I hadn't graduated just yet. I was still kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do with that diplomacy. Mm -hmm. And while I was working there, I was helping build brand strategies and marketing strategies to reach digital communities. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that sparked a little interest in the realm of branding and social media. And I went back to school and got my master's. And I got my master's in visual and digital media management at IE Business School. If you're talking to someone who's looking to get into marketing or business, would you advise that formal training having done that yourself? 
So that's, you know, it's an interesting question. I would say yes, in that I think school in general gives you the foundations you need to be successful at what you do later on. So of course, like you learn about theories and you learn about different tools or programs. But at the same time, it's also about experiential learning. So learning from doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's a combination of both, I think. For me personally, going to a business school was kind of the best decision I made for myself. I think it allowed me to get a better understanding of how businesses work, what their unique needs are, different markets and industries. Um, and, And that was the best decision for me. But I think in general, everybody should just kind of commit to lifelong learning, no matter how you go about that, Um, whether it's reading case studies or books or just, again, being hands on and getting out there and even just volunteering your services. You kind of learn as you go. Of course. Yeah. And I guess with the digital landscape, it's always evolving anyway. So things that you learn. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's. Exactly. Yeah. It's, It's all about kind of making sure that you're staying on top of what's happening, right? Because everything changes overnight, it feels like. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Since the digital landscape is always changing, I asked Gabriella how she manages to stay on top of new trends and learn new skills and whether she'd recommend any resources. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's a huge part of what I do. I think a lot of what I do is um, it's it's not surprising to find me on a Friday night reading case studies. <laughs> It's one of those things that you kind of have to be a nerd (laughs) and, you know, make time to watch tutorials or even collaborate. Just being able to learn from other people in the industry. It's really important to be able to stay on top of what you're trying to help others with. Right. You have to help yourself in order to help others. (laughs) I think, yeah, you're exactly right. It really does help just learning from other people. And if you have the right contacts and just sit down with people even for 15 minutes or something. Absolutely. Do you have any favorite um, books or anything on business or branding? Oh, goodness. So my favorite book of all time is actually, by now, it's probably a little bit older, but it's called What Would Google Do? And I believe it's by Jeff Jarvis. Um, And it's just, it's an excellent read. It's very interesting. It gives you some insight into the processes at... um, at Google and how they work and how they prioritize kind of their tasks internally. And it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, there's a lot of branding books. I honestly prefer case studies over um, actual textbooks okay. because I like seeing how, you know, different theories or different skills are applied. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some wonderful branding case studies out there. There's some on Zappos is really cool about work culture um, and employer branding. There's one about Zara, um, which, you know, the clothing yeah. brand. There's some really great ones. If you just kind of hop on on Google and just search case studies, you get millions. And they're really, really interesting. Oh, that's a really good tip. I'll add those to my reading list then. Yeah. <laughs> so um, now you work as a consultant and you work for yourself. What kind of clients do you work with? Are they all in the same sort of industry or is it more varied? So no, so I actually work with very, very diverse clients and that sometimes they're personal brands, sometimes they're corporate brands. Um, I've worked with solopreneurs to kind of like seven people, uh, large startups to larger institutions that are actually like thousands of employees. So higher ed institutions or business schools, newspapers. Um, It really, there's quite a variety of, of clients. I don't work in a particular industry. Sure, yeah. Well, I guess that's nice. It keeps things fresh and exciting. 
Absolutely. And that, that goes back to, you know, learning from doing. You learn a lot about actual different um, skills and, and different industries as you go along, right? So oh. it keeps me on my toes and it's definitely very exciting and fun, especially for someone who's super curious. Yeah. Whenever I talk to consultants, I'm always intrigued to find out about their processes for working with clients and what those clients tend to be looking for when they hire an expert like Gabriella. So I would say that there's no right answer for that. Like there's no one way to approach it mm. because everyone has different needs, right? So no matter where they are, I kind of like to meet my client where they are at that moment. Um, sometimes they're looking for very specific help um, in terms of one area of their branding. So say like their visual branding, or sometimes they're looking towards, you know, venturing out into different types of marketing, for example, influencer marketing. Um, it really depends about like where, where they are in their stage of marketing and branding efforts. And um, I would say that the only part that is very consistent is that it obviously starts with an assessment of where they are and then kind of the ideation strategy and execution kind of depend on their needs. Sure. So what would you say, yeah. how would you define the term brand and what do you think makes a great brand? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> so your brand is essentially your elevator pitch. It's, um, it's who you are, what you stand for, and how that's represented to people around you. Um, a lot of people like to describe it in the sense of um, it's your first impression, right? It's the vibe that you give off and the, the vibe that people remember about you. Um, I would say that a strong brand is one that is first and foremost consistent. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also one that has a strong awareness of what their unique selling proposition is. So unique selling proposition refers to that point of differentiation. So what they have to offer that their competitors can't and therefore makes them of more, more of an interest to their clients. Um, I would say a strong brand has a very strong message and a strong brand voice. Um, they have a strong sense of purpose or their why, and they also have an awareness of kind of their audience and their market and their industry that allows them to be flexible with how they present themselves. And um, I would say that as a result of a strong brand, they're able to build trust and generate brand loyalty and kind of create a community, which is something that you guys over at Q are doing a great job at on social media, right? Like having, um, developing your reputation and your image as a thought leader. Sure, yeah. Well, I love what you say on your website, actually, about, um, is it creating tribes and positive vibes? exactly that's what it's, that's what it comes down to absolutely no, I think you're right because it's more about the feelings that people have and their associations with your brand it's, it's a bit harder to measure than something like marketing where absolutely yeah, it's more intangible exactly. yeah and um, what are some brands that you really admire so right off the bat um I would say for corporate there's some I mean, obviously, it depends on what kind of industry you're in in terms of what you're going to use as a benchmark. But I really like Buffer on social media. Um, they're doing a great job both in terms of their products, but also in terms of their customer service. So they personalize their interactions with each of the people that they come in contact with. And that kind of builds that that sense of um, feeling valued and feeling appreciated mm -hmm. um, in terms of personal brands. I absolutely love Chris Cubbernus, which he's over on Twitter at Chris Cubby. Okay. Um, 
he's actually a marketing expert and he is very consistent with his message. And I think that that's kind of what attracts a lot of um, his audience to him is that he's very genuine and authentic, which I think is also very important for brands. We recently had the pleasure of co-hosting a Twitter chat with Gabriella on personal branding as an entrepreneur. I wanted to find out how her personal brand has shaped her career, especially as it's her job to mold other people's brands. How does she approach her own? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. That's a good and it's one that I actually get quite yeah, often. Yeah, because um, yeah, people want to know. They're like, okay, you can do it for other people. How do you go about doing it for yourself? Yeah, I mean, you're doing um, a great job of doing it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so the way I I mean the way I look at it is a brand consultant with knowledge has success right but a brand consultant that has a strong brand themselves has proof of work and that is going to increase your credibility and ultimately multiply your success right um and you know in kind of like very simple terms the way I explain it to people is you wouldn't get your hair cut from someone that has a bad haircut themselves (laughs) (laughs) right like you you don't Right. But you you probably wouldn't choose that. (laughs) And, um, and I think it's because clients entrust themselves and their business to the people that they feel have the best qualifications. Mm -hmm. Um, So of course, you know, investing time in your own brand, or in in my case, my own brand is really important to me, because I want to make sure that my promise to my audience is very clear about who I am and what I do. And that I am worth their time and effort. Sure. That's the way I see it. <laughs> makes total sense. And I know that um, yeah. I, I know you through Twitter and um, specifically Twitter chat. Uh, is that your favorite yeah. platform? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's actually, it's, yeah, it's a funny story because I was a little bit late to the social media game. And by a little, I mean a lot. <laughs> um, I actually didn't join Twitter until three years ago. And um, both of my parents were on the platform before they convinced me to get on (laughs) and yeah they they were kind of the ones to like force my arm and they're like hey you know you should probably check it out and um I kind of just grew to love it and you know I, I never expected it to become such a hobby and such a passion for me but it's amazing just how much of a difference a strong community and the friends that you develop can play a role in your own happiness and in your own sense of worth um it's really amazing to feel validated and to feel uh, like you're learning throughout your time on a platform. So it, it's been really, really nice. I absolutely love Twitter. I'm starting now to get into Instagram, yeah. which is, that's new for me. Yeah, but it's, it's funny. I mean, I was actually also quite late to the Twitter game, I think, because um, I guess I grew up with Facebook. Um, and then, yeah, I only started using Twitter when I joined Q, in fact and it's become more of a professional platform for me but I think it is just like because you're right. just chatting with people as well and it doesn't have to... exactly but... yeah exactly it's yeah it, I mean it, it feels good that you're adding value I think that that's what I mean by by feeling validated it's a sense of like you're putting what you know out there and someone is seeing that and finding value in it um and it, you know it helps kind of your sense of purpose yeah um yeah, and it's it's just been a really really nice experience. So I highly recommend that people get on Twitter if they haven't already. <laughs> Me too, and I think you're saying about validation, and you're being validated for your knowledge, as you said, and 
quite yeah. nice. I love Instagram, don't get me wrong, but obviously there it's more about, you know, curating nice highlights of life. <laughs> yeah, it's very different. I definitely think it's it's very different. Yeah. Um, and I feel like with Twitter chats, I mean, I know you love them and you participate in lots of different ones. Yeah, and um, I've always really enjoyed them as well and that was something that we started doing at Q quite early on I, I don't know if you feel like this but I feel like they're often overlooked by a lot of marketers and businesses and yeah, absolutely and they've been around for a while but I guess people don't see them as like cool and sexy or something like Instagram but what would you say to um a business to convince them to join or host a twitter chat so that's actually something that is probably one of the very first things i mentioned when i talk to clients who are looking for social media yeah it's not it's not sexy but it's definitely worth it um it's an absolutely i mean you kind of have to sell them on the idea of like what the benefits are and i think that the benefits are, of course, not only are you building connections and building your network, but it's also a place for you to cement your image as a brand. Um, it gives you kind of a space to, you know, build thought leadership and communicate your purpose or your message very clearly. And of course, that generates interest. And eventually, interest plus trust is going to end up, you know, creating, generating leads for you which is ultimately the the goal for a lot of brands on social. Sure, and it's that consistency, especially if you're exactly in the same ones on a regular basis. If you've seen Gabriella on Twitter, you'll know that she often uses her own personalised gifts, which are fantastically unique and memorable. Visual content like this can really enhance your branding. However, a lot of people aren't comfortable taking videos or photos of themselves, myself included, I asked Gabriella how she felt about this and whether she had any tips for overcoming that self-consciousness. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, I mean, me either. (laughs) So I'm not the best at being on camera. You know, for me, even this, doing a podcast, this is my first podcast. So even this for me is like super nerve wracking. Um, But I think that, you know, one is understanding the importance of visual communication. So visual communication is very effective and very persuasive. Um, studies have shown that information that is communicated visually is often easier to understand, um, easier to explain, and also easier to retain. Um, so knowing that, of course, a lot of brands would like to incorporate more visual into their social. But, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea <laughs> to be in videos or photos. But there's ways to get creative and kind of go around that. I would say there's a lot of programs that allow you to create, you know, illustrations um, where you don't have to be in it or you don't have to, it doesn't even have to be a photo. Um, another creative way that you could kind of get visuals is to use user-generated content. So kind of put it out there of what you're looking for and have your own clients, um, both present clients or previous clients kind of do work for you and highlight what they think is important of your brand. That includes them in your their in your brand voice and makes them feel valued too, which is, you know, kind of a double win. Um, and also, you know, you kind of just have to put yourself out there eventually yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, kind of get out of your comfort zone. And uh, it's about, you know, kind of practice makes perfect at the end of the day. <laughs> We're not all comfortable, but. <laughs> no, why do you think it makes a difference if you do just do it and then you do get used to it? I've re- Absolutely. So many people who are, you know, really big marketers who were terrified of public speaking and now they're 
yes yeah exactly yeah it's it's about finding your strengths too I would say and you know kind of leveraging your strengths to make those awkward situations a little bit more acceptable so if you really like public speaking kind of put yourself in that kind of realm or if you don't like being on camera maybe just do a voice recording and ease your way into it it's um it's definitely a process but you got to got to take baby steps a little bit (laughs) I think the gifts would actually be a really good place to start with some people yes absolutely you don't have to say anything and it's it's great I mean for me that was kind of my starting point (laughs) where do you create those then do you use a specific tool um actually just use well I have Adobe I'll say that I use um Adobe both Photoshop and Premiere um but you know just my regular camera my dslr sometimes you can just do it on your phone I'm, i believe there are actually apps out there that allow you to do it kind of just directly from your phone so you don't necessarily need like the fanciest equipment to make really cool content and people really appreciate kind of the authenticity of just like a raw video even if it's just hopping yeah. on your phone and saying hello and you know that's it yeah, we've used them in, I think, actually, no, I've made one before. I think we did a blog post and Matt and Q's co-founder asked us all to make a little gift of ourselves, Wade. <laughs> I think you can just do it maybe through Giphy is the best. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. It really doesn't have to be as complicated as, like, you know, huge production to get it done. You just something quick and something fun, and people just appreciate kind of seeing you and, and seeing your personality in a different way. Yeah, it's all about your personality. And I guess it's just a nice little surprise for people as well because they're like, oh, that's you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cool. Absolutely. So um, I wonder if you've got any advice for, let's say, obviously Q is a SaaS startup. In that specific space, um, do you think that there are any good uh, approaches or strategies for defining and marketing a brand? So it's, it's difficult for me to give you an answer to that because I think that, it, you know, Q as a SaaS startup is very different to say another SaaS startup. It depends on kind of where the brand is at the specific moment um, and what your kind of goals and objectives are for the branding. So obviously it's important to have a brand already built before you launch, but your brand evolves as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of depends of in the moment what you're looking to get out. Um, and also it, it kind of depends, I would say it, it depends on what, um, as, as a SaaS startup as well, it kind of depends on not only where you are at the moment, but what your vision is for say five years from now, seven years from now, accounting the flexibility that comes with the industry, right? Cause that, that also plays a role. It's not just your brand, but how your brand fits into the industry that you're in. Um, and it, it's not, it's, it's very different for, say, a traditional industry that isn't necessarily moving as quickly as a SaaS yeah. <laughs> would have to. Um, but I, I don't know that there's a specific answer, but definitely about kind of seeing where you're at and planning for the future before you even kind of come up with a strategy. Sure thing. And I, I was interested, I think you touched on this earlier, talking about um, employee branding. So I guess that's... yes. You know, using your employees to spread awareness about your brands and we see a lot more of that employee advocacy now because most people have professional LinkedIn or Twitter profiles they'll share content um I don't know if you have any tips for 
companies looking to incorporate this into their sort of branding and marketing strategy and maybe it, I, I imagine it must be quite hard sometimes for companies to convince their employees to do that and get everyone on board absolutely and that's actually a lot of um a lot of the clients that I work with, that's one of the, the biggest concerns is trying to find buy-in um, internally in terms of um, people who ne- don't necessarily see the value or understand the value of branding. Mm-hmm. Um, or even, you know, that that kind of is, it works in social media too. Not everyone sees the value in that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a process of educating people, I think, on the importance of it and on the values. Not everyone is going to be, you know, gung-ho from the start. Mm-hmm. Um. I think in terms of advice for employer branding, so employer branding, not just necessarily having your employees advocate for you, but um, also how you present the company um, to potential employers. That's a big role. Culture plays a big role in employer branding. Mm. Um, I think that it's about leading via example, right? So if you have your higher C-suite kind of adopting practices of branding and how they use the brand, then you're going to be more likely to attract employees before you even hire them, but attract employees who support your brand mission and who see the value in that. Um, Zappos is a really good, I think I mentioned them earlier in terms of a case study, they've built a really interesting um, brand culture. And, you know, it it attracts a very specific kind of talent. Yeah. and not everyone is going to buy into it and not everyone is going to be a right fit for your company. But if you are committed to your brand and committed to its values, then you are more likely to kind of create an environment that supports it. Sure. So in terms of an employer kind of showcasing their brand to a potential hire, yes, yeah, so you would say it's more about those values because I feel like in startup culture, there's, I, I think people are starting to realize this isn't necessarily the most successful approach now. But we did hear about startups, mm-hmm. you know, who have ping pong tables and free beer on tap, yeah. that sort of stuff. Would you say that that is part of a brand or does it go deeper than that? Um, it definitely goes much deeper than that. I would say that that's a part of it. I mean, th- a ping pong table isn't going to necessarily be for every brand because it's not going to work very well. Like say, depending on the industry, you're not going to have a bank with a ping pong table. Um, That would not be good. (laughs) Um, So I definitely think that that plays a role, but even just if you think about the tone of the communication internally or the culture of either open door or closed door culture within the company, Mm. um, the way that they promote their jobs or the words that they specifically use to communicate what they're looking for to the public, Um, how they, for example, interact. Is there a culture of collaboration? Is there a culture of diversity? That all kind of helps paint a picture of what the organization looks like, both internally and externally. And you kind of have to think about um, not just how you're communicating outwardly, but are your employees internally satisfied are they happy are they motivated to go to work Um, obviously motivation is going to increase their productivity and also your efficiency so branding plays a big big role um, both inside and outside of a company not just you know more than a logo more than you know um, how your office is laid out it's about much more it's about your commitment to your image and to how you're presenting it 
Sure. And you mentioned Buffer earlier, and I think they do a really good job of that. Yeah. You can tell, and they, they're very open. I know they have their open Buffer blog, and they do absolutely they do those retreats and go to really cool places yes yes that that yeah absolutely and you know something that as as a client too um you know it feels good I don't know if you've noticed like when they interact with people on Twitter whether you're a, a client paying client or you're just kind of a client in terms of their blog you're just a reader of their blog or you just interact with them on social media they always personalize that interaction yeah, with you um, and they always kind of sign it off yeah. yeah they sign it off with their name and that kind of helps build genuine connections which is what you know social media is all about and it paints a picture of the company it it lets you know that they value their employees and or value their employees and also value their clients and their insight which is also really nice. So there's definitely different ways to show that that brand. Sure. So yeah, it's about being like a human to human approach, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Um. So we were talking a bit about different social media platforms earlier, and I noticed you recently published a blog post on IGTV, which has been a really exciting development. But I feel like a lot of us are still kind of waiting to see how brands are going to use and um, we discussed this at our Twitter chat the other day and lots of people did admit that they weren't really sure how to use it yet. <laughs> so have you been personally using this channel or have you seen any brands that are already doing cool things with it? So IGTV is like, obviously it's very new. I think it was um, launched in June 20th, so literally a, about a month ago. Um, and, you know, it's it's still very new and it's still very much in its early days. So people are still trying to figure out how to use the platform accordingly and and how to make best use of it in terms of as a brand. Um, I personally have been using IGTV. I recently started it. I believe I have two videos up. Again, it's very much a learning process. So I tried it the first time just to kind of get a sense of it. And then sharing little tidbits of the blogs and the content that I shall share elsewhere and kind of elaborating it, on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, a, it's good. I think there, it offers audiences an opportunity to kind of humanize their brand mm-hmm. and showcase that brand personality, display their brand story. And, and storytelling is really, really important nowadays. It's, it's an effective form of communication to try and, you know, reach your audience and increase engagement. So I think that there's a lot of potential with IGTV. I think brands need to think about it creatively Mm -hmm. um, and approach it kind of, um, I know that it's a little daunting because you're going from short bite-sized content on Instagram stories to all of a sudden, you know, up to an hour long on IGTV. But I think the best way to approach it is to think about what your end goal is out of it. So what is your objective and what is your intention behind posting that content? Um, and then just kind of packaging it in a memorable way that stands out and is unique to you. Sure, yeah, and I think that's a really good idea that you've had about repurposing blog content. So just elaborating on points or maybe you could do takeaways or something. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's millions of different ways that you can use it. You could do vlogs. You could do industry kind of expert interviews. Uh, you could collaborate with influencers in your industry and kind of do like a joint project. Um, there's so many different options. And I think it's just a matter of finding what works 
for you and, and obviously what works for your industry and what works for your resources that you have available. Um, but I think that the key, I would say, across the board is to kind of include that CTA, that call to action at the end that helps direct traffic back to your website or back to something that, you know, you want to focus on. Sure, that's a very good point, actually. Um, and you've yeah. touched on this a few times. Influencer marketing is obviously another really big marketing trend right now. Um, and I think we've moved from people using really big influencers and I've noticed a lot of people are now using micro influencers so if you're working with a client how would you advise them to choose influencers that are on brand that's a good question I think you have to do your research and I think that that is kind of the the takeaway from this conversation yeah. is is first before anything you have to kind of define your own voice discover what makes you unique and what it is that you want to highlight. So what your purpose is as a brand um, and also kind of just then do your research. Like who are brands that share a similar story, share similar values and who you're kind of both mutually benefiting with. Mm. Um, it's not, not everyone, not the biggest influencer is going to work for you. Um, they have to have kind of the right intentions and the right tone um, and it's about kind of testing the waters in terms of, you know, collaborating with different people until you feel that you've found the, the right match. Um, and then, you know, kind of taking that a step further and actually then, you know, create, working on bigger projects together. Um, that That's the key. I think micro-influencers are definitely going to make a kind of rise in the next couple of years in terms of popularity. Um, because people are realizing that it's better to have someone who is actively engaged with their community and who genuinely can exert influence, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, not just kind of the number um, being the dictator about whether they're going to be a good fit for your brand. Sure. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, and if, is there anything else you're excited about in the world of branding marketing right now? Any new trends? Yes. So I'm, I'm actually... My, my biggest like kind of area of like curiosity right now is, is the shift from millennial marketing to Gen Z. Yeah. Um, that for me is super interesting. Um, I'm a millennial myself. Mm -hmm. So it's been really interesting to see how brands and, um, you know, businesses and brands kind of utilize their marketing tactics according to what millennials are supposed to be interested in or what makes them kind of you know click and and pay and buy and and interact um but you know gen z is very very different um they're kind of their focus and and their um you know their forms of communication are very different so it's going to be very interesting to see how brands adapt accordingly um Obviously, also micro-influencers, which we just talked about, that's very interesting. And it's also going to be very interesting to see how video evolves. Yeah. Um, video has been kind of, I, I guess, like, I mean, it's been very popular up until now. And I think a lot of people are quick to mention video in terms of what they see happening in the next couple of years. But video is very now. Yeah. So I'm very curious to see how, for example, AR is going to be incorporated in video or how live streaming is going to adapt. It's going to be really, really interesting how to see how video evolves in the next coming years. Definitely. It's an exciting time to be a marketer, for sure. 
It is. It's exciting. It's daunting. It's kind of like those nervous little butterflies in your stomach because you don't know what's going to come next. But that's, I think, the beauty of being a brander and a marketer is that, you know, you're constantly learning and you are living your job, essentially. You know, you, you have to live the life. You have to be online and you have to experiment and you have to be hands-on and you know really commit to being (laughs) in the industry in order to be successful definitely um I think that's a very good positive note to end our chat on see what I mean about wanting to be mates with her here's where you can find Gabriella on social media so you can find me over on cardozagab.com um, or on Twitter and Instagram at Cardoza Gab. That's C A R D O Z A G A B. And um, also, if you have kind of any questions or comments or anything that I can help with, you can always email my personal assistant at PA at CardozaGab.com and I will answer all your questions. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Q. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling super inspired and ready to up my personal branding game after listening to Gabriella's advice. If you'd like to chat about anything we covered in this episode, feel free to call into our Anchor FM station, QCast, or tweet us at Q underscore co. We also really, really love it when you subscribe, download, and review our podcast on iTunes, as it means our fabulous guests get heard by more people.